0: This episode of Beer and Bullshit is brought to you by Woodhouse Brewing Company, where they believe simplicity is a good thing. Try their lager, IPA, stout, and new raspberry sour, all available at the LCBO. It's time to grab that bull by the horns. It's Wednesday, December 9th. I'm workshopping a new tagline. Let me know what you think if you're into grabbing this bull by the horns. Uh, it's Beer and Bullshit, your favorite podcast. I am your host, Ben Johnson. I'm solo again this week. Uh, my occasional co-host and longtime friend, Chris Pellerin, and I can't seem to get our evening schedules to align for season two, but that's okay. Uh, he'll be here soon. I think we need to do a, a viewer. How do we say viewer? They're not viewers. It's an audio medium. I'm sorry. Listener email, Uh, there's an inbox and it fills up. Sometimes with good stuff, sometimes not so good stuff, but uh, we will get to all, some. A small portion of my favorite, we will address in an upcoming show. Uh, And if you have any burning concerns about beer, about bullshit, about Chris, about our relationship, really anything at all, Holler at us, beerandbullshit.ca slash contact. Uh, Important business there, actually. This show has a growing and rabid, absolutely rabid fan base. And I think it's time you had your own name. I think Joe Rogan has Roganites, maybe. Is that the thing? Uh, I don't know any other ones. Maronites? What are the W2Fers? Anyway, you guys need a name. Bullshitters doesn't make sense because the people on the show are doing the bullshitters. You guys are the bullshit-ees. That that doesn't make sense as a name. BSers. I don't know. I'm open to suggestions is what I'm saying. So hit me up uh, on the contact us page on our site or hit us up at Bullshit Beer on Twitter and let us know what you think the just rabidest fans in beer podcasting should be called And we'll put a poll up somewhere so we can figure out what to call you guys. Because I'm getting inundated in the streets with our masks on from a safe distance, of course. Autograph requests screamed at me from moving cars. I need to know what to call you. Of course, literally none of that is true, but it's fun to dream, isn't it? Anyway, that's not why you called. You're here to listen to a podcast about beer and I got one for you. I got a good one. You already know because it's written on your podcast player, but it's Ryan Morrow. Ryan Morrow is the brewmaster at Collective Arts Brewing in Hamilton, Ontario, now with a location in downtown Toronto as well, and presumably soon to have more locations all over the, I will say it, galaxy. Yeah, they're going intergalactic. Breaking news. You'll hear it first Tonight. Intergalactic Brewing Company, Collective Arts Brewing, and formerly of Nickelbrook, and uh, a guy born in the same year as me. So there you go. It really doesn't get much better than a couple of 81s just shooting the shit. Am I right? I hope so. Uh, We talk about brewing. We talk about beer trends. We talk about why maybe you didn't see Ryan around for a little bit there. We talk about what's next for the Intergalactic Brewing Company known as Collective Arts. I hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, If you do, as always, please feel free to rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And hit us up on the Contact Us form or on Twitter if you have comments, questions, concerns. We will get to them And bullshitterinos. You see, I need your help. Anyway, here's my interview with Ryan. So, how you been, man? It's been a long time since I've seen you, actually. Yeah, I
1: I can't remember last time. I've been all right. I mean, it's COVID. It's wild and wacky, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Been busy. Never been busier. So there's that. But
0: yeah, it's good to be busy.
1: Yeah, for sure. Totally. But, uh, yeah, it's weird, weird times. That's for sure.
0: Is he packaging everything? I'm assuming not, uh, so much the kegs.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we're kegging much right now with Toronto on lockdown, but I mean, it picked up there for a couple months and then it's probably, we probably have enough inventory to last a little while. I'm thinking. Yeah. So.
0: Um, I like to do this chronologically cause it's how my brain works. But if we go all yeah. the way, all the way back to the beginning, I didn't even, uh, I didn't realize you used to work at Molson. Oh, an embryo. Yeah, what's your first memory as a child? No, we're not going back that far. <laughs> it's hazy.
1: Luckily, I've killed a lot of memory brain cells. I think.
0: <laughs> what's your first memory as a brewer? Maybe it would be. <laughs> uh, well, I was used to well,
1: like old school homebrew back in the '90s, but it was more like the the like old-fashioned homebrew where you go and mix a few extracts and like totally underage and completely illegal but that was my first brewing memory
0: oh yeah like one of the brew your own spots
1: yeah yeah i was doing that back in the 90s when i was in high school so
0: okay here we, we had started, to be at. Started, yeah. i would just fish fish we for budweiser in the beer store parking lot like everyone else
1: well we were just cheap right so we were like oh we they don't they didn't they didn't ID us and it was like the beer is so much cheaper, so it's just kinda like and it kinda felt cool that like you can kinda make your own thing. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. So but then there's the waiting time, which for like a seventeen year old having to wait for beer made sucks.
1: But you got into the rhythm of like having one ready, so you just sort <laughs> you <know, laughs> nice. of you're good at planning, right? Like Yeah. Like I drink this much beer and then six weeks from now I'm gonna need more. <laughs>
0: So then when you went to school, which uh, was for science, uh, I think I wrote down because I did do yeah. some research.
1: But I, did, I, well, I did a molecular bio degree at Guelph.
0: So It's probably uh, crazy to ask if beer was on your mind when you did that.
1: Well, I mean, pretty much every one of my roommates worked at a brewery. I didn't actually work at a brewery in university, but most of them all got a job at Sleeman one time or another. Uh, uh-huh. I think one of them maybe F&M for a bit but so i was always around people at breweries so we always had tons of beer at our house like uh, like we were kind of a notorious party house and like frat frats weren't really big at guelph and they always wanted to use our house to throw parties and we're like no it's okay we'll throw our own parties but <laughs> um, nice. yeah so i don't know i mean it was always around breweries in university and then i was doing my master's and then i was kind of like hit a point in my life where I'm like, I don't think I can do this. Like, cause molecular biology works pretty tedious and like lab oriented. And I just kind of wanted a little, do a little something else. So just decided to get into brewing and Molson happened to, I don't even know how they got a hold of my resume. I got called one day when I was at a blue Jays game, sitting up in like the nosebleed seats. I had like back when you could do the like Toronto star $81 season pass for yes. like 500s. Mm-hmm. So I had one of those, and I just got a call one day out of at a Jays game, like, "Hey, do you want to come in for a job interview on like Monday or something?" And then I went in on the job interview. It wasn't really an interview; they're just like talking to you at the job, and then they're like, "You start tomorrow or something." <laughs> nice. I, I don't know. And anyway, it's just like a contract position because that's what Molson was like back then. They only just did contract
0: jobs, so yeah. They, so you they, probably they got hired help. at Molson while drinking a Budweiser. That's the start of uh <laughs> I
1: honestly yeah back then who knows, but I can I
0: remember going to games for two bucks, Toonie Tuesdays, because I used to when I first moved yeah, to Toronto, I lived across the street. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But those that Toronto Star Deal, like I don't know when they killed that, but it was pretty, pretty awesome. Like you yeah. could just roll up there any day, just get whatever best seat was available basically in the five hundreds.
0: Yeah, they don't do that anymore. <laughs> So how long were you at Molson? Not, not too long. Right. Uh, it was just like six months. Okay. Uh, I can't remember exactly.
1: And then I kind of fucked off for a few weeks. I had, I had talked to John at Nickelbrook before I was still at Molson, but I was almost done. My time So I told him I, I was going to go out, travel at West for a few weeks, see some friends, that sort of thing. And then come back to Ontario. And he said, look me up when you get back to Ontario and I did, and he hired me, and that's how I got my in at Nickelbrook. Basically, mm.
0: I feel like a lot of people don't remember that it was called Best Bitters Brewing, and that it used to be well, like that was, a, it was a one new of those oldie right? homebrew places. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like they were around for they're like the biggest in the province for like twenty years. So yeah,
0: it's crazy. They go um, way
1: back. He, yeah, they're like they were twenty years before they started Nickelbrook. So I mean, Nickelbrook started in ninety five, I think, yeah, six yeah. But yeah, he was like back in the heyday of it in the nineties when he really made his money and luckily he got so big that he had to buy like a proper brew house to make all of his work for just homebrew. And then like, well, they're like, well, if we have this 10 hectoliter brew house, you might as well make beer for <laughs> legit. Right. So that's why Nickelbrook started. So, and then it just happened luckily for John and Peter that it coincided with like the, the downturn in the homebrew industry. Coincided with the upturn in the craft brewing industry. So Nickelbrook took off while the homebrew thing kind of died away slowly. So,
0: and then you were, you weren't there very long before you were brewmaster or head brewer.
1: Yeah, it was a couple of years, uh, Tim was there before Tim had to finally tap out personally, but, uh, Tim was great. Wild, wild guy though. But he, uh, he kind of burnt himself out by, the. You know, it was like 2010, I think it was roughly when I took over like the head brewer job. Yeah.
0: Okay. So. And I remember, I mean, that was just getting into craft beer probably around then, but you were like youngest brewmaster in Ontario. Like it was, you were, I feel like, I feel like we're the same age. How old are you? Yeah, I'm Can I ask 80. That? You're 81? I'm an 81 uh, as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you I'm 39,
1: go. Okay. I just turned 39
0: now. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing some quick math there. <laughs> I forget all the time next (laughs) year i guess
1: i should remember
0: you'll remember Um, yeah (laughs) march i'm gonna remember march um and you were slinging Um, youngest youngest brewmaster for
1: me in november
0: covid (laughs) will be over for your birthday is that what you're hoping
1: hopefully for november like me and maybe me and sam can party again
0: yeah yeah you got to bring back that collab well i don't know if you're legally allowed to right
1: (laughs) yeah i'll probably have to we'll have to do something else
0: (laughs) so you're the youngest (laughs) Youngest brewmaster in Ontario slinging a uh, green apple pilsner, which I think was one of the first gluten-free beers in the province, if not the only one at the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it for, I mean, it counted like, I mean, it should have had gluten. I, I don't know if it ever got marketed that way, but that was a holdover from the original, original brewmaster of Nickelbrook. So, I mean, it, it was what it was. It was a flavored, apple flavored beer I mean <laughs> I mean it, it, it kind of got Nickelbrook on like noticed I guess probably so it probably did in a way some sort of good but I mean eventually once we got started making some like pretty innovative craft brews like got into like the more the new school kind of craft brewing I think eventually the like John and Peter kind of learned that those sorts of beers weren't exactly the coolest thing to be making
0: yeah so where was, uh like, what was the lineup? What did it look like when you were there? Like, was Headstock even on anyone's radar? Or was that something you?
1: Yeah, with? that one came in a couple of years. I mean, I was, it took, like, I was solo brewing for a while. I was just kind of keeping the place going. <laughs> so it took a couple of years to get, like, just, just getting a play, like, just keeping it going. And then eventually kind of, like, around the time Mark Horsley started like being my second brewer was kind of the coinciding of like that big kind of new Niagara rush that started kind of, pushing the envelope with different beers we're making. So
0: that's kind but of what I, I remember the first yeah. time you guys were on my radar was uh, I was talking about IPAs with actually with Matt Baud uh, yeah. and uh, he's like, Oh, headstock is the best, one of the best IPAs in Ontario. And I was like that f- shitty looking like Woodstock <laughs> Themed beer, I'm like, really, and I had I'd never really given it a chance because of that, and that's when I was like, holy shit, this beer is amazing, and that's when I started to like dig in. I got uh, really into Naughty Neighbor for a while there when it was still in the like tall in the long neck with the yeah. porno label can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I and mean, Dickerbrook definitely had some interesting branding back in the back in the <laughs> yeah day. yeah.
0: We don't have to go there because I know that wasn't <laughs> your department. Um, yeah, but then our, the pilot system. I mean, you brought the uh, the imperial stout to the lineup uh, and the cuvee and that kind of stuff, and that's when people were like, "Okay."
1: Yeah, so. actually, we made the cuvee pre-me. That was a Tim innovation, but it was. I mean, it kind of evolved over time, and then got like fully barrel aged blending of vintages, like that. It took a while to develop, but it actually started like probably in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, some interesting like little small. 341 mil bottles kicking around <laughs> but it was it was always interesting though but yeah
0: um I imagine Burlington would be a tough market like
1: yeah I mean it's part of like that Burlington Oakville Mississauga black hole of craft beer
2: <laughs> yeah I mean it's not so much now is yeah it? it's
1: got it's gotten better I mean um but it's still like a I think people still see it a little bit that way but it's it's improved over time but for a long time, it was definitely a pretty big black hole, like Nickelbrook would be an oasis or like a, like who's Cameron's or something. <laughs> it wasn't, not, not a lot, the original Black Oak or something, <laughs> not a lot around.
0: So, and then a few, well, it was like 2013 collective arts. I'm always a little confused about how collective arts came to be. Cause it was all of a sudden like, it was kind of related to Nickelbrook, but not really. And you were doing both. How did that happen?
1: Um, so it just happened, like, I mean, I Matt and Bob, the founders of Collective Arts, came up with the idea. They're both brewing industry, like, veterans, so they, like, they knew, like, they knew beer and knew how to plan and stuff. So they were just looking for a partner that could brew beer for them. Uh, and they traveled the province, basically, and then eventually they stumbled into Nickelbrook. And it was back, obviously, back in the old branding days, so they were kind of, like, don't know about this place. Uh, But then they got trying the beers and they're like, holy crap, beers are actually really good. And then they got talking to John and then they got talking to me. So that's like, it was back when like craft beer was definitely starting on the big boom trend. And like you would get people come in and be like, hey, I want to start a brewery and blah, blah, blah. And you give them the time of day. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, sure.
0: see you never. And then
1: when Matt and Bob came by, it was like, Oh crap. They actually know what they're talking about. And they, they actually can like, there's a vision there and there's a, there's a, there's a roadmap to success probably. So definitely could take them a lot more seriously. So they, they told me like the first beer that they wanted to make was something like they're like something reminiscent of this like Hill Farmstead beer. So it's like, okay, you obviously know what you're talking Good about.
2: Good
1: start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was what rhyme and reason was. It was a takeoff of, I can't remember the, Hill Farmstead beer, but like some extra pale ale, ABV pale ale kind of thing, so. Yeah.
0: I remember drinking that in the tall, the long neck bottles and six packs when that was a first round. Yeah. So
1: yeah, that's how Collective Arts kind of came to be. I mean, Matt and Bob have their, their own origin story, but that's how it came to be in my life, I guess. Right.
0: So it was, it was essentially a contract brewing relationship to start?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. So they are contracting it at Nickelbrook. it was at the same time. So then, also because Bob is like Bob's background is in branding and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, as we're like kind of the partnership to help Nickelbrook was to help Nickelbrook rebrand their image. Uh, so that's how the rebranding of Nickelbrook and the like the changing of the logos and the artwork happened. Okay. The, the, Branding ability of Bob from Collective Arts kind of helped, so it was kind of a, a little bit of scratching each other's backs there. But
0: that makes sense. Yeah, that timeline totally makes sense. It's when you started to see that, like, I'm totally blanking on like the, the slogan, but like the little, you know. Yeah, they, yeah the, Adam thing, Yeah, the atom thing. Something about science. I'm blanking on. Yeah, yeah.
1: so it kind of gave Nickelbrooker like a sort of ident- an identity, right, which was kind of lacking before. So
0: Yeah, yeah. So you did double duty for, like, quite a while, like, six years, right? I mean, it's not really double duty. You're at the same place. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean, for the longest time until Nickelbrook, uh stepped out of the Hamilton facility, yeah, so it was at the same facilities. So it wasn't really hard, like, <laughs> yeah, it just for me, it doesn't really matter because it was all in the same tank and had my if I wanted, <laughs> it has my reputation on it. So I wanted every beer that I make to be good, right? So um, it didn't matter to me whose beer it was. So, right. um, but yeah, it was uh, early last year, I guess, that I had to just, the collective arts just took up too much of my time. And Knickerbrook was, they I mean, they're doing their own thing. And I was just, I, I just needed to focus.
0: <laughs> was it that recently? It was just last, just yeah, last
1: early 19 like, but it feels like 10 years ago right so
0: yeah no time has no meaning yeah. but so how did you i mean that that seems like a tough decision and maybe you don't want to get into no. it but like
1: was it like no, I, it totally was a tough decision and it wasn't like easy it took me a long time and i tried to give like give john quite a bit of notice and be like john eventually i just can't not gonna be able to do this forever just too much going on with collective arts and I, that's, I saw more of an opportunity there and it was the company is doing a lot of different things and excited me. So it was just my, how I wanted to go. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, eventually I just, after a while, I just, that was, that was time was up.
0: <laughs> well, it seems like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to say that you made the right choice and shit talk Nickelbrook cause they're still great. But I mean, I think that collective arts is making moves like the. I've Toronto brew I mean, I kind of knew they were sniffing around for a Toronto location that that was like badly kept secret for a while, but.
1: Well, yeah, we had a spot years ago in Kensington, but we just. Right.
0: The former burger the, bar, right?
1: It was the old yeah, food mart, the old grocery store thing. Oh yeah. Okay. Right but the landlord is a piece of work. So we <laughs> got pulled <laughs> at the last minute and bailed, but I mean, it would have been a cool location, but whatever
0: (laughs) yeah and then (laughs) there's rumor or i don't even know i think it was actually happening but like talk about a place in brooklyn was that
1: oh brooklyn's still happening it's just a covid casualty right now it's really we've been trying to get it's a it's been in our landlord's hands to like restart the construction project it's in the middle like it's a it's we have all the equipment we're ready to rock yeah like our um, koi who's gonna be our head brewer down there we've had them since last year, and like we were ready for it to happen once all the delays started to happen. Like, we were like, I was using them to go to festivals and collabs. Um, he actually just came up to Canada to help us get the Toronto Brew Pub running. Like, we got him a work visa and did all the proper quarantining and everything, uh, to get us to come help just help Jeff fire up the brew kit over there. So, nice. yeah, we're Brooklyn's happening hopefully next year sometime. Like, we're still trying to get the landlord because the landlord runs his own construction crew. So it's just a matter of like, kind of get the fire under him. I mean, it's, COVID hit New York pretty hard there, especially in the beginning. Right. So, yeah. uh, I guess some of his construction crews got affected by it. So I don't, don't want to, they don't want to feel like the bad guy and press it too hard, but I mean, it's been a while now too. So we're, we're really, uh, looking forward to get moving.
0: So you wouldn't move to Brooklyn. You got a guy lined up. No, no, no. yeah. <laughs> Brooklyn's pretty fun. I mean, it's,
1: I can travel there. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years from now. Maybe,
0: There's always this, like, whether it's real or imagined, this vibe that you get too big in craft beer and you start to lose some credibility or the beer quality starts to slip. I feel like uh, Collective Arts is getting pretty big, but I haven't noticed that the beer quality is slipping. I mean, and that's probably because of you. So how do you maintain that sort of the balance or you put, you know, start to make sure that the business plans don't get out in front of the beer quality and, or, you know, the marketing guys or the bean counters aren't getting ahead of the brewmaster.
1: I mean, it's a constant battle and it's just not, we have a big team now. Um, so it's not just myself, but right. yeah, it's a definite, it's hard to be big and be relevant and be innovative and be flexible. Like I, so I always fear is like just becoming losing your, to me when big breweries that you talk about, maybe, lose their appeal is like, I think they really lose their flexibility and they lose their, like, they just slow to trends. And obviously people are nowadays are just like, everyone wants a new hot thing. That's just the way people are, but,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that's fine. <laughs> you kind of just got to accept it nowadays. But, um, so yeah, I think it's, I'm always pressing our, whether it be finance or marketing, just, I mean, it's marketing is not usually the problem, but it's usually just yeah, trying to keep us flexible and not too rigid is part of the uh, part of I think what will help us maintain success. I hope.
0: <laughs> so uh, are they beating down your door to make hazy shit every day or what? Well,
1: I mean, we've I mean, we jumped on the hazy shit a while ago. <laughs> I mean, a lot of our like old mainstays like ransacked is not like obviously it's the West Coast, but
2: yeah.
0: Well, mine's I mean, tasting pretty good. I can still see you through it, so. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's not a it's not a hazy, but it, it never was. Um, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we do. I mean, we're not adverse to jumping on trends or whatever. I mean, we make a ton of fruited sour beers. We make. It sells, so right? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's kind of hard to make different fruit combinations after a while, but. <laughs>
0: but yeah I mean there should be no shortage of fruit to put into these things yeah no it's
2: just
1: trying to be innovative is the hard part but yeah uh, yeah so I mean you got to keep pushing the envelope a little bit um and I think part of that too is just not and you're probably wanting to get to this anyway but like not just focusing on beer but all the other parts of the company so that kind of helps yeah at least diversify what we're doing and maybe that we're always cognizant that that might hurt our beer reputation, but I think if we keep the same authenticity to what we're doing, then hopefully people recognize that and, like,
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if, I think the problem is when people lead with that marketing and there's nothing behind it. I mean, Collective Arts obviously has a cool thing going with the arts community, but they also have you. So the, the beer tastes really good. So it's not just marketing.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing is we've never really made any decisions that were for like cost savings. (laughs) Like we, we, we run really fat and like our margins, like everyone might be surprised. Everyone might think we're just rolling in money, but (laughs) I mean, we, we have a really big company because we have like, we dedicate ourselves to the art side of it. And like that requires a lot of extra staff that a brewery wouldn't normally have. Um, and just, but the intricacy of being a company like us is means you have to have a lot of people, but we still want to make products that cost a lot of money. So it means a lot of like, we're just a lot of hops, a lot of fruit. We also want to, because we are a large company, we go into the larger channels like the LCBO or grocery, and they have the price points that it's hard to push the envelope there too much. So you have to stay within a, a certain bracket. So your margins get squeezed. So, I mean, we make it work, but, I mean, it's kind of if you want to do all of those things, then I mean, you live how we live.
0: <laughs> is it is it weird coming from, you know, when Nickelbrook was literally just being converted from a brew to um, basically starting Collective Arts as a contract facility to now kind of being considered big in, in the sense of big craft? Like, there's small brewers in your area that probably think of you guys as the big guys, cause you know, they're not competing with Molson Coors. They're not competing with the bats. They are competing with you and you do yeah. kind of feel big to them, right? Is that a weird spot to be in?
1: I mean, I guess if I stop and think about it then, and yeah, a little bit, I guess, but I mean, we try to stay friendly with all of the, the small little guys as much as we can. And like, I mean, try to like help them out whenever we can, We'd, like let them borrow yeast and do you want to run some samples in our lab? Like, so we just try to like do that sort of thing. Cause we all know that we were that small little brewery at one point in time. Like, yeah. We've all, we've all been there. Like now we have a little brew pub. So it's kind of like, we, we understand the the pains, of being, the being the little operation and what that means. So yeah. Um, Hi, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a weird, I mean, yeah, I'm sure we are the big guy to some people and I, not much we can do now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you are what you are. Um, How has been, um, I mean, I guess you didn't really fully get to open the way you wanted to open in Toronto, but how has the Toronto community been? I feel like, I feel like in places where where like other, not to compare you to Big Rock, but where somewhere like a, a brewery from out of town, in this case, out of provinces, come to Toronto, there's been a bit of a, you know, a barrier to entry. But given that you're so close, have you felt any of that?
1: No, not really. I don't think so. I mean, maybe it's just the perception of like what people perceive us compared to a big rock. I don't know if that's why. I mean, I guess we're in kind of like it's a semi trendy neighborhood Mm -hmm. and obviously big rock, I guess was too. So I, I I don't know. I mean, we obviously have always tried to stay like, friendly with all the local breweries. So, I mean, maybe that's the difference and like,
0: yeah. And know. I kind of, as I'm saying, I don't think we're so fiercely local that we are like, I only drink beer from my city. Like no one really. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't felt that. And I think people have been pretty happy with the reaction we've gotten so far, like to the, like the neighborhood people, they're like pretty stoked that we're there. So, yeah. I mean, I mean people tell you what they going to say to your face. Right.
2: Think
0: they wait till they get to their their keyboard
1: i mean they'll 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 eventually tell us by like if they show up and buy the beer i guess
0: yeah no no they'll sell you on untapped that's where you have to find out Oh,
1: honestly i don't i haven't looked at untapped in years so i don't
0: oh good everyone says like i'm always shocked how many people still look at it like when i talk to to sam about it he's like well i like to see what people are saying about my beer and what's moving and even like brewers who are like, these guys make phenomenal beer. They're still like this guy on untapped. Like who gives a fuck? Yeah,
1: Sam is insecurity security issues.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I mean, yeah, I, I know people that I wouldn't think would care. and They totally care. So it's, it's funny. I don't know. I, I it's not like I'm trying to block it out. I just really don't care.
0: Yeah. No, I think for, I, as a, I don't know, as someone who sells the beer, it might be a good metric to like what people are drinking. Oh, no,
1: totally. Like it's, it hasn't like it's usefulness i just for myself personally i just there's nothing there for me but yeah i can totally see why you can justify it being helpful because it is a response from your customer in one form or another right yeah but i mean like we don't sugarcoat the quality of our beer in amongst ourselves like we judge ourselves pretty harshly so we know if the beer is good or not like that's (laughs) we don't we don't have to have an outside opinion and all that (laughs)
0: ice cold beer ice hey uh, hey what are you uh, what are you doing oh hey chris i'm uh, i'm just excited about ice cold beer
1: well, well clearly you said it a number of times and this show is all about beer
0: no no ice cold beer uh, from left field brewery
1: oh
0: yeah, yeah. Brewed with Barn Owl Malt, Barley, and Wheat, uh, VQH Farms Cascade Hops, and Escarpment Labs Yeast, Leftfield Brewery's Ice Cold Beer is a 100% Ontario Ale. Through and through, it's seriously great without being too serious. Well, good thing, because we're not too serious, but crushable. Much like us, crisp and refreshing. And it goes perfectly with baseball. It is a bleacher beer. If that is a new beer category I'm inventing, bleacher beer. Well, now I want Ice cold beer well Chris you're in luck baseball might not be here right now but this beer sure is Ice Cold Beer is available now for home delivery in Toronto and in select other markets with the Leftfield Fan Shop orders of 45 over 45 bucks, and is now available at your local LCBO and grocery stores.
1: Well, that sounds pretty convenient.
0: It's very convenient. As an added bonus, Beer and Bullshit listeners can keep your ice cold beer ice cold for longer. Use the promo code BULLSHIT on any order over $45 in the Leftfield Brewery online fan shop and get a free ice cold can koozie. Koozie, must be 19 years or older. Available while supplies last.
2: Ice cold.
0: No, no, we're done. We're done, that's it. Have you had a recent occasion where you've had a beer that somebody on the team thought was really good and someone else was like, we're not selling this? Does that happen?
1: Uh, it's not usually like that. Grass, like a thing because they'd be like you like this is really good and the other person's like this is god awful it's so usually
2: yeah.
1: if it's god awful then someone someone like, knows this is like might be on the fence so right um does that happen I mean, it happens occasionally but i can't think of a certain circumstance off of hand lately but yeah it happens and we've pulled beers that we are like yeah this is probably not good enough or it's usually like a time frame because we'll because we use a lot of times what happens is like we send beer to like cause we use cold house for like Ontario shipping and Mm -hmm. they have warehouses and sometimes like a pallet of like an IPA gets misplaced and then like, Oh, this four month old IPA, what do you guys think of the quality? So they ship it back and you taste it. You're like, yeah, tastes like a four month old IPA.
0: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So then you put it in a barrel with some boysenberry and no, (laughs) yeah, of course.
1: (laughs) And you make it a, it's a barley wine, right? Exactly. (laughs) So I don't know. I mean, those things happen all the time. Well, yeah. That's, that's one of the joys of becoming a big brewer is that shit happens all the time.
0: Yeah. Well, it's when you start trying to find sneaky, like we're joking about it, but lots of people do try to find sneaky ways to salvage that for the bottom line. And that's when there's problems. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's one thing like collective arts has always been really good at is we don't, we, we don't usually put something out if we're, unless we're sure that it's at least, a respectable version of the product. Right. So we're, we're, we're not afraid. There's usually beer in our dump pile because it returns from like old code from somewhere. So
2: right.
1: we're, we're not, we're not uh precious to throwing beer out.
0: Yeah. Me too. It's gross. I pour more beer than I drink now. I'm such a fucking snob. I'm like, uh, I got enough beer. If I don't like I, it, I'm not drinking it. Yeah.
1: I like, I have to force myself to do these tasting metrics because I just like, I work all day and then I like, I'm not one to come home and drink beer that often. Like, I'll, if I'm drinking beer, I'll probably have more than one, but I'm not the type that usually just comes and has one. But,
0: right. One's just, hard. Just who like, I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One's hard. That means it's much
2: easier.
0: Yeah. Um, we talked about hazy beer. We talked about how you guys are kind of at the, you know, you're not afraid to embrace trends. Is there a trend that you love that's happening right now? And um, the other side, is there one you despise?
1: Hmm. Trend that I love. I don't even know what's trending. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the obvious trend is like white claw and shit, but, um, That's a I thing. Mean, uh,
0: I mean, that's a brewers no, that's totally a thing.
1: Like we've just came out with like, yeah, we, we've just kind of, we came out this year with like our take on a malt beverage. I don't know if you got a chance to try them, but they're like the teas.
0: No, I haven't had them yet.
1: Yeah. So like, they'll get a much wider release next year, but it was like, those are malt-based and but what we did is we use like uh we're friends with genuine tea out of Toronto. So we used like some of their tea inspirations and then added the whole flavor of that. And so but we used a lot of real ingredients, like real tea, like expensive tea. Um, but so it's kind of like a unique twist on the whole malt beverage thing. Cool. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, people have been really good reaction to those actually. So i and I actually can feel pretty good about them because we're using real quality ingredients in those. So.
0: Yeah. And I'm not averse to it. I just haven't found one that does anything for me yet. Like. No, we'll, have was, to, we'll
1: have to get you a care package. Yeah.
0: That's all I'm doing with this show. I'm trying to get care I figured, packages. I figured it. I was like, I <laughs> suppose <that's probably laughs> you didn't have
1: for something up front.
0: <laughs> in order to do this show, you have to send me 12 years like, of a, a t-shirt. 24,
1: 24 lagers.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a pack right. pack of hot dogs. I'll take it. <laughs> But no, I mean, I've I've seen brewers like uh I don't know if you know the guys from Beer Lab here in London, but they're yeah I know oh, yeah. yeah yeah they're super into seltzers. They're like
1: oh, I this. mean yeah own it. Man. No, yeah, I mean <laughs> it's I mean it's better for you, right? It's lower calories, yeah, lower sugar. Like like I I mean we've been making those and we do our like our gins like our gin uh, like our gin cocktail drinks now that. Have, We've come up with a few of those. So I've been drinking a lot of those just because they are so lighter. They're just lighter, right? Refreshing. Yeah. Summer, summer. Again, I
0: have, actually there was one and you'll probably make fun of me, but Muskoka made an amazing canned gin and tonic with like lime and cucumber. It was amazing. Yeah, no,
1: I, I, I had, I got to try that one once, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me.
0: Docker. Like, it was solid. They need to bring yeah. it back.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think there's, it's a great way to, to like, because they obviously went into gin and we went into gin, so it's kind of like a really easy play off of your the whole gin thing.
0: Yeah. Well, gin's easy because well, vodka's boring and you have to age things to call them whiskey. So.
1: Well, gin's how you play around, right? Yeah. So we've We've released four gins now, I think. Nice. So that uh, that's not me. That's Matt Howell's uh, domain. But.
0: Yeah, yeah. You just drink it. I just drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you didn't name a trend that you despise. I'm going to hold you to it. Trend I despise? I don't know, man.
1: I mean, I don't despise them, but like pastry stouts are like, they're just such a gimmick, but I don't make them. I don't care about
0: it. Like in Ontario, it's not really something we've seen. Like, yeah, it's
1: like, like I've done a few and like some people have, but it has, it's not like the U S where it's like, you go down to Florida and it's insane like everyone grew up on the cigar city so like all of the ma- all of the cool brewers down there a lot of them are ex-cigar city people and like so they learn how to make big crushing imperial stouts so you go down to like hoonapoo day or whatever and all of these drunk floridians are just want to get drink 12 percent imperial stouts <sighs>
0: no thanks in florida in the florida heat too just yeah gross. it's crazy
1: like florida is i mean it's florida so it kind of makes sense but
0: yeah yeah um so i was we were saying that we haven't really seen anyone in months i feel like it's been even longer since you've been around uh you were kind of sick for a while can we you want to talk about that like that was pretty intense right
1: yeah yeah i uh early last year uh caught the flesh eating disease so <laughs>
0: crazy yeah, someone told me that, and I
1: was like, "Are you joking?" Yeah, it was it was weird. I just like I felt sick for a couple of days, and then eventually my arms started hurting, and went to the hospital, and then they ran tests, and then like eventually they're just like, "We think this is flesh eating." And then once they, once they got a positive on that, they're like, right into the surgery room and cutting you open. So,
0: oh, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. Knock so like, me on my ass for a little bit, but <laughs> I
0: mean, it's called flesh eating disease. I'd expect nothing less, <laughs> but like yeah. what, like not to get too gross, but like what are the symptoms? Like, do you actually have like wounds on your, like what, how does it,
1: st- uh, well, they like the only way to get rid of it is like they cut out the affected skin and then they just crush you with antibiotics. Right. Um, so I have pretty, pretty gnarly scars on my arm say, now. Are you missing some
0: chunks or what? what is.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they did a relatively good job of keeping me whole, but okay. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not as pretty as I used to be, but. <laughs> uh, but
0: and I, I can't, I can't get it by making, by drinking beer you made at the time, right? Just to confirm. I,
1: I can't
0: 100% guarantee that, but <laughs> to be honest,
1: I haven't made beer in a long time.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, of
1: me making the beer that you drank is pretty low.
0: So, if I find a fingernail or something floating in this ransack, it's probably not mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably so okay, I mean that's uh I mean it's fair to say that was like a a brush with death that can be crit- that can be fatal right oh yeah
1: is yeah don't google don't don't I'm, not, I'm
0: it's, not gonna right? Google.
1: <laughs> it's like what they show you on there is like worst case scenario so it was never new
2: it wasn't that bad but, uh, right
1: yeah it's it's got a pretty pretty high mortality rate but I didn't feel like what I had was, I didn't feel like I was that close to death.
0: Right. So you didn't have like a ground, like a, you know, moment epiphany and you're like, oh, I got to go make this beer. Yeah, it happened so
1: quick too. It happened so quick too that you couldn't really, it wasn't really like a chance to like worry about (laughs) how close I might've been to death or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, I don't feel well, boom, getting treatment.
1: Yeah, it was just like, it went downhill quick. Like that day I went to the hospital, like it definitely hit me hard, but,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I was sick probably for like three days ahead of that, but I just thought it was like a flu,
0: but crazy. Yeah. So you're like COVID, whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm not too worried about the COVID, but we'll <laughs> I mean, not that I'm trying to get it, but wood, <laughs> I I'm not going to be able wood collect been lucky so far. So
0: You've been around a while. Like you went from being like I said, the, I think the youngest brewmaster in Ontario to now having, you're a veteran. Like I had this conversation with Sam last week, but been brewing beer for like 15, 16 more years now. Um, yeah. What's something that surprised you? Like having seen the industry kind of grow up around you?
1: It's a tough one. I think, I mean, if I was going to ask myself in like the mid 2000s or like 2008 or something, I would have been like, how sustained it was for as long as it was because that would have been before like the real big boom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, obviously it's hit like a like a plateau now I would say as like a, a craft beer movement, if you want to call it like, it's definitely, I don't know, there's different like business jargon of what you would call it, but maturing or <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs>
2: um,
1: uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's weird to see all us old, like I would call us maybe like third phase or second phase craft brewers in Ontario, like Sam, myself, Ian, Lackey, like we're definitely like the old heads now and there's two, probably two generations of brewers younger than us that are <laughs> kind of the new wave. So yeah, it's a little weird that way, but
0: it is uh, weird. Even like. As I'm doing the show, I'm realizing that that's the pool that I'm pulling from because that's when I got into it. I'm like, I'm gonna have to start to learn some new shit before <laughs> I
1: go yeah, away. Yeah, You're gonna have to meet all the new. The new
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, leave the house. I
1: mean, I mean, I guess we have a little more war stories than maybe the new guys do, but
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: We all have a million Sam stars, so
2: <laughs> Yeah.
1: Let's tell some of those. How how rated is this podcast?
0: <laughs> well, when he was on last week I did call him out for taking a piss inside Cast Days and <laughs> that went out that went out on the air. So
1: that wasn't the worst thing he's done at Cast Days. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, you want to go ahead and spill the beans? <laughs> ah,
1: he definitely didn't get arrested at Casteles.
0: That was the—that's why he got arrested for pissing inside. Oh him. yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Did you talk about him getting arrested? Though? Oh yeah, I was standing oh. right
0: beside him when it happened. Ah, uh, okay.
1: Wow, you got the full cool experience.
0: <laughs> it was amazing. I saw it coming. I saw it happen. I was like, "That was deserved." from am just gonna watch it. <laughs> oh, That's happened a couple times with friends, where you're like, I, "I had a friend." Actually, have a friend who, on every other birthday he got arrested like three times. So 19, 21 and 23, I won't say his name, but there was one time where I like had talked the cop out of arresting him on his 19th birthday, multiple times, I'm like, sorry, we'll get him home. He's being belligerent. And then he finally just did something. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not even At end, to yeah, get, him, get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and we watched. She threw in the back and she peeled off down the street. And then he was still lipping her and she slammed on the brakes. And we saw it. So that he just went, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, I almost broke my nose. I was like, uh, you deserved everything you got.
1: That's <laughs> why they didn't let him off on his 19th birthday.
0: I mean, they did, like, three times. And then he finally, like, threw his shirt at the cop or something. And I'm like, you're done, you idiot. Goodbye. <laughs> wow. That's faulty. Yeah. No, he did get the 19th birthday leeway, like, a lot. And then yeah. that was
1: it. His teeth flew too close to the sun.
0: Yeah. Anyway, that was Sam Corbet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was last weekend for Sam. Yeah, that's right. Actually, the last time I saw you, I'm remembering now. Um, maybe I'll edit this part out. But, uh <laughs> you guys had just brewed life sentence and I was at uh, oh, yeah. I was at bar hop with my brother-in-law to go see a Jay's game and you guys came in end of a brew day probably had a couple pops and uh, <laughs> I was drinking detour and I won't say which of the three of you was uh, laying into me for drinking oh, and
1: was, was <laughs> you can say <laughs> <laughs> I it's not a fan but
0: no no it's fine you guys were relentless about why uh, are you drinking that you're at bar hop there's lots more to drink and then we had to go to the game and I do you remember what I did when I left I
1: can't remember I remember this happening but I don't remember what you did
0: I bought you guys around a detour on my way out so (laughs) when I hit the sidewalk you had
1: maybe I just choose to forget that in my memory (laughs)
0: Ian liked it he was impressed he would
1: appreciate the asshole (laughs) yeah
0: yeah, that, I think that's the last time I saw you in person. That was a long time ago. But you don't um, come around anymore. You moved to. London. I know, man. I don't even go out in London anymore right now. I'm on lockdown. London is not locked down, though, right? No, we're pretty good. Like, yeah, yeah restaurants are open. Uh, schools. Yeah, you guys have it worse. Well, Toronto has it worse. You're not in Toronto. Yeah.
1: Hamilton, you can still do some indoor dining. I don't know how many places are actually doing it, but
0: yeah, like, I haven't done someplace. that. I haven't even done a patio. I mean, if you want to go to a patio, power to you. But I'm like, "Mm, I don't need to do that.
1: I did a couple of Like I would hang out on our patio that we had at the brewery. I mean, it's a big open patio. Yeah. And I think I went to like Brooks house once or twice kind of thing. Like, didn't do much else.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Didn't. I'm also lucky to have a yard, a fire pit, a porch. Like, my two best friends live around the corner. So I'm like, walk over and we'll drink in my backyard.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: I'm in a condo, so it's a little less, a little less roomy, but yeah.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, it's, I'm pretty privileged to have space, but like to be in Toronto right now, I can't, I'd feel so claustrophobic.
1: Well, I, like, I feel so grateful that we were an essential industry that like we never shut down and I could go into the brewery and do my thing there. And yeah, like all the, all of our office staff have been remote. Pretty much since since it started, like, just obviously the production people are there most of the days, but it just still feels good to like have that connection to the brewery and be able to go in.
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Even if I'm just sitting in office or whatever, but
0: some normalcy,
1: some sort of normalcy. But yeah, of course we had just renovated and expanded our offices to because we were always so cramped for like. We're always uh, adding new bodies, and we did this whole big expansion and right before we were going to open it, COVID. <laughs> so we have this whole like third floor office thing that no one 's moved into yet
0: pristine pristine oh, yeah. bathrooms that's where I would it go just,
1: if I worked it there. Like, just looks like a call center, and no one's been in there yet <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice that's yeah. where you go for your naps now or what yeah nice nah, like solitude time <laughs> <laughs> um so what uh I mean, it's always weird to say what's next because with COVID, who knows, but uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think, what do you think's next for the industry? And then maybe it's a different question is what do you think's next for you and collective arts?
1: Industry, like everyone's been saying that there's going to be a reckoning with the COVID, like it hasn't really happened. Like summer, everyone could make do with outdoor, like every, most, most places lifted any patio restrictions and it really, help brewers get through the the summer. But I, I don't, it'll be interesting to see what winter brings. Right. And if
2: mm-hmm.
1: the same breweries that maybe were struggling can make it through, uh, especially with, and if you're in a lockdown situation too. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how the end of COVID happens. So that might change, shake up the industry quite a bit. Um, it's hard to guess beyond that really.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm assuming collective's going to be okay. You guys are still pushing volumes and
1: yeah, it will be okay. I mean, it it hasn't come without some pain and reorganizing and plans changing and whatever, same as the same as everyone else. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, luckily, like we pre COVID had decided we wanted to do other things like gin and just kind of helps, I think being diverse and being flexible. Like even at, you see smaller breweries doing it too, right? Like smaller breweries doing seltzers and things like that it's just i think people lost that whole precious whole. Like, i only do beer and i only like i'll never do these weird wacky things because i think that's a gimmick i think people kind of like no one seems to give a fuck anymore
0: yeah i kind of wish someone would give a fuck (laughs) like i kind of would like i talked to michael hancock and he's like i would love to open a place that's just like just german style beers i'm like that would well, fucking kill, right?
1: like, I know, I know a few of them in the states that are killing it, being that way, right? Yeah, but you just got to make a commitment to the commitment to the concept, and
0: it's a, think, it would be a re- really weird time to open a logger house in Ontario. Yeah, like you
1: really, you're really buying into the draft situation. Like people drink loggers in draft way more than they do in package. I mean, you know, people drink obviously drink loggers in package, but when they do, they tend to buy the the bigger cheaper options. Yeah. But for craft loggers, they do much better in draft. So if I was doing that, I might I might hold off to the COVID dies down, but yeah. Might be my my two cents on that uh, that business
0: plan. So what are you uh personally into right now? It seems to be we're trending to loggers and pilsners. Is that your bag too or
1: yeah I mean I love drinking loggers. Like We're going to like, we've always ran into a problem at the big brewery of like not having tank space and time to do many loggers. So we're definitely, and Jeff, who's our head brewer in Toronto, he's like totally into doing loggers and we're going to have some space to do more. So yeah, we're going to do more small scale stuff and kind of unique, unique to collective arts anyway, (laughs) loggers, but, uh, yeah, so I'm down with that. And like, I don't know. I mean, I've been so involved in so many of our new projects, like our cannabis drinks and our, like those tea things. So I've been really focused on a lot of non-beer things, which I mean, is what it is. So it's
2: yeah,
1: like, it's interesting. Like our cannabis products finally are going to see the light of day in Canada early next year, I hope. So Nice. Um, that's been a challenge and a half. So.
0: so are we talking THC infused? Like,
1: yeah. THC and CBD, but yeah. So we like health Canada ruled that if you are a food processor an alcohol processor you can't make cannabis beverages you had to be a solely dedicated cannabis facility right so that's why we couldn't do it in our own place so we've been waiting for co-packers to basically get online and finally there's a couple that are just getting there so uh the one we're using is in windsor so they're just in the middle of doing our first trials right now so Oh.
0: Cool. um hopefully. what's the aim is it's Tasting like beer, is it tasting like something else? Like
1: no, we I mean we thought of doing beer, like it have to be dealkalized, So that's right. a whole challenge and a half. So we we thought it'd be hard to do that well, at least especially initially and not being able to control it. So we went more after like mocktails and some tea based ones. So okay. they're kind of like they're not like health beverages, like they're more social enjoyment beverages, but yeah, yeah. You know, it's like a pina colada flavoring, like not flavoring, like we use real fruit, like we're doing it to collect the collective arts way, we're not just adding flavor to water kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Are they carbonated?
1: Yep, yeah, they'll be carbed. So
0: So here's my biggest question about this. What's the like every time you like eat an edible and you're like waiting, you wait forever. Like yeah. that's not how I consume beverages. And that's not how we typically think of like a cocktail or a beer. Like I have it, I feel it. Should I have another? Like what if you drink like six of these yeah. teas and you're on your ass, like two hours?
1: Yeah. So that's been like, there's been a lot of, uh, development by like, not us, like other third party companies about yeah. how they do the infusions of the cannabinoids and how they, how quick they can onset in your body. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like a race. Like everyone wants that fast onset. So they want to mimic alcohol basically. Right they know people have been drinking alcohol probably most of their adult lives and know how to moderate right, right. Their intake. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is a challenge. Uh, we've done a we did a lot of testing as far as we could, um, with different, uh, infusions to see how they would onset in our body. And if they would like turn you into a puddle in the corner or right. if were, like nice and enjoyable <laughs> that you can like have a couple. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of science there and it's still really early days. So I think, especially as the U S legalizes more and more money can get behind it.
0: Like, yeah. Start the to piggyback off other people's research. Yeah, so
1: like the it. science will get better over time. And I think the goal would be to do exactly what you said. It would be something you could totally control your consumption and not have to worry about the reaction. Like we've done, we're pretty confident in the, the infusions that we're using that they're not going to, destroy you if you have right. one or two of them <laughs> um like no one we haven't been able to because of the laws in Canada being what they are we we haven't been able to be like hey drink 12 of these and we'll have to see what happens to you <laughs> like no one's done that yet but
0: you call lackey when it's time to do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you are, have you tried them like at five in the afternoon yeah <laughs> yeah like what's the vibe have you yeah I mean these? yeah we
1: did our own yeah I mean they're fine like they're at single doses they're like you can feel it but it doesn't really put you in because they're they're a lot smaller doses than those like edibles that would turn you into a mess right right that's cool the big thing so
0: that's an interest that's that's a yeah i i ever i'm still questioning how you know beverage cannabis is going to work for that very reason like Imagine a bar that serves those. You just go in and it's just fucking quiet and everyone's kind of (laughs) awkward.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know when the bar is going to be illegal to serve these things. That's great. I don't know how that'll probably be a ways away, but but yeah, I know it's, it's not as social as alcohol. I think everyone knows that, but I mean, cannabis is one of those things that everyone has like a different reaction to it, where alcohol is like, there's more of a standard reaction to it. Right. Um, So it's, there is that mystery of it all. So. But I mean, I think the idea is that people that don't really want to smoke weed are much more likely, like myself, I'm not a huge smoker of weed. I'd probably be more apt to want to drink it than smoke it just for like my lungs. And (laughs) so, I mean, I think there's definitely probably a, a new market of people that wouldn't see themselves as cannabis users that might consume it in a edible form as opposed to a smoking form you
0: know yeah and the timing might be good because uh, no one really wants to share a joint right now <laughs> so yeah I really
1: thought of that, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i so. could I, I i could see how this could be the next like you know the wild west for like a lot of brewers have been around a while who are like okay we've seen where the industry is going with beer there's an opportunity to really experiment and try some new shit with with weed and yeah could be interesting
1: yeah, it's definitely like a like we've like it's a gamble like we've put a lot of time and effort and resources into it. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those like if you don't take your shot at it now then you'll probably be late to the game in the future, so it's kind of Yeah. <laughs> like all right, we're stupid enough to do it, so <laughs>
0: You think that'll be a trend or do you think there's a lot of, uh, or maybe, you know, are there other breweries that are following your footsteps? Or I mean, breweries in the U
1: S and I think there's a few in Canada, but I mean, Canada, with the rules, the way they are, it's definitely a barrier to entry, classic business term. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's hard for anyone to just get into the industry, I think. Yeah. And, and also it's just hard to do like the normal things a brewery would do, like marketing and sales and like, there's just, it's just not the government is putting so much controls on it. Like in my head, it'll be probably whenever the U S finally fully legalizes and they'll obviously have fewer restrictions on what you can do. then I imagine Canada will be like, Oh crap, we're gonna have to follow suit or like all the business is just going to leave. Cause yeah. I mean, a lot of the capital that came into Canada was foreign and they probably would have set up in the U S if it was legal.
2: <laughs> right.
1: So if Canada is going to keep choking all the business, then the money will just leave. So,
0: yeah, that's fair. Um, So other than potential cannabis drinks, um, what's like collective arts. Here's what I've always kind of put them at the top of my, or you guys at the top of my list of companies that might, get bought by a big brewery like you look really good on paper for a company like hey i can buy into this i got gin i got a toronto spot i got brooklyn i mean you probably don't have conversations about like would we sell the molson but like
1: (laughs) they don't don't ask me into (laughs)
0: right right but i mean when you're thinking about what's next for collective arts do you think that's on the radar
1: i mean i don't know it's not on our we're not trying to get bought (laughs) yeah um if someone made a stupid offer like what it happened? I don't know. But right. it's like do the old ballast point, here's a billion dollars. Right. <laughs> it's like maybe Matt and Bob would be stupid not to do that. I don't know. But
0: yeah, fair uh, enough. Uh, Everyone's got a number, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's such a weird time for that. Like it just died off. Like all the big biotes died, right? Yeah. And like everyone kinda laughs. Like everyone kinda laughed at them for a while. I mean, inevitably Mm -hmm. it's still gonna happen and like i wonder if you'll see things like i'm not speaking about about us but like covid might cause some like mergers and be like one company just like taps out almost and sells that way right or something but
0: yeah it's gonna be weird it's gonna shake things up and the big guys can maybe just sit back and let the little guys yeah disappear for a minute and then see where the landscape is on the other side of this
1: the collective arts like we've always been like, yeah, we're a Hamilton-based brewery, but we're not the brewery that, like, really – like, we've always been trying to be global. Like, we don't want to look like we're a local brewery, and, like, we don't have, like, a name of our town attached to us or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so we've always wanted – so we'll probably just keep pushing – like, we do – we sell beer into Europe constantly. Like, we, we ship beer to Europe every month. Mm. Um, we've been in talks of a lot of different – like, eventually we'll make beer in Europe. Like, we were going to make beer in Europe pre-COVID and then COVID happened um, so we've been just waiting and kind of like biding our time to do more international things so I think you'll we'll see us do that that'll probably be on our radar more than anything
0: so. sounds like you got a sweet gig man you got an opportunity to hang out in Brooklyn you might be going to Europe soon playing with weed playing with gin not bad
1: Yeah. I mean, my, my day always looks pretty insane. Like I don't really have like a, I'm always just in a random meeting for some, some, something weird or another that isn't always related. So it's, it's not a boring place to be. So that's, I can't, uh, I can't ask for more than that.
0: Nice. Thanks thanks for doing the show.
1: Yeah, no worries, man. Hopefully you can edit that to something interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'll edit it down and, uh, I may not have to. But hopefully we, we'll grab a round of detours again sometime soon.
1: Sorry, right, Ms. go for Trash and Detours. I know.
0: <laughs> you, I
1: don't know. Has it changed?
0: I haven't had have one. I haven't had it in a while. But, but I enjoyed could, it when it, it came out. too
1: watery for me, man. I don't know.
0: You know what? And I and then
1: didn't we make you try like a naughty neighbor? Yes, you did. Knock up you against did. it and you're like, yes, dude, you did. tie them together. No, like,
0: side by dude. side, it failed the Pepsi challenge hard. <laughs> I, I like, I like the folks at Muskoka, and I was yeah, like, oh, really a great. light, a light IPA, and I had some detour. Oh, before the baseball game, I have a detour, and then you guys like put it up against something, and I was like, okay, yes, no, it doesn't hold up. <laughs> ah, Which is why I had to buy place, you guys man, around.
1: They, they crush it, man. They sell the shit out of it. So yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Who am I to say they're doing it wrong? But
0: No, but you did that day. Just saying. <laughs> All right, you caught me in a moment. Yeah, uh, no, no. I caught you at the tail end of a long day, I think. So, yeah. All I right. Thanks, you, man.
1: All right. Thanks, dude. I'll
0: talk to you soon. Stay healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Nose these <is nice>. days. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
2: I'm sorry, Troy. Get another job.